I believe, Ange, that we have Garth on the line. Yes, Garth, hopefully. can you hear me? Yeah? Yes, you can. Good morning, Garth. Thank you very much for joining us. Are you are you coming from the Hunter Valley? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I've, I'm, I, I live in Newcastle, but I've uh, driven up to the Colburn this morning and I'm, I'm in situ. Well, it actually seems to be the way we had Christina on earlier, and she uh, also lives in Newcastle and does the commute. And a lot of the winemakers I, I speak to, that's that's what their scenario is. So um, I bet you guys, it obviously works quite well, I guess, I guess well, is the point. Well, it does. I mean, I, I love the Hunter Valley. I was I was born here. Um, my family moved, well, sorry, didn't move. We, we have been in the Hunter since 1826, so it's a very special wow. part of the world to us. But I, yes. I, I don't necessarily want to live where I work. I've, I've <laughs> done that for, for decades and, yeah. um, the, you know, it's, it's just nice to be able to down tools, uh, hop in a car, drive down to the coast and enjoy the, you know, enjoy what, uh, what a sort of a metropolitan area has to offer. A hundred percent. Oh, yeah, disassociation, very, very important. Work-life balance. But um, And uh, I'd love to hear your take on Newcastle. Uh, Christina earlier mentioned a couple of great wine bars and restaurants. Um, and I think it's really important that we do spruik not just the Hunter Valley, but um, Newcastle and the surrounding cities for interstate travellers now that they're, um, now that we're, it's back into full swing. So what are you loving about living in Newcastle, apart from the fact it's not for Colbert? Um, look, look, don't get me wrong. Look, Colburn is, is beautiful as well. Um, but look, look, Newcastle has come of age. When I mm. was 17 and started driving, um, we always, we, we lived, um, so just to fill you in, Miria, Miria um, was our family property. We added the park to it. That was a 500-acre holding at a place called Bulger, just outside of Singleton. So yes. I spent my first, 26 years of my life there and you know whenever I could get the opportunity I'd, I would head down to Newcastle and Sydney and other places and Newcastle early on was this um, I suppose steelworks driven um, <clears throat> you know industrial type town unfortunate for the for the workers of the steelworks it did shut down and it has really blossomed into a into a beautiful city these days so yeah. it's, it's it's come of age um there's a lot of people moving there from from sydney and central coast and you know interstate um which is bringing a, a different cosmopolitan feel to it and there's mm -hmm. you know, wonderful restaurants uh as christina said beautiful wine bars um, you know, tapas bars, the whole lot. So we've so yeah. Yeah, certainly come of age. That's awesome. And look, I, I just realised we kind of jumped into our checking that we had you on the line. I didn't properly introduce you for anyone who's only just tuned in. So we're talking with Garth Ether from Miria Park in the Hunter Valley. Um, uh, so, Garth, I have to say, your your wines are absolutely outstanding. I've been drinking your wines for, well, probably about the last two decades at least. Oh, um, thank you. You've, uh, it's actually, oh, well, no, thank you. Um, you actually have been awarded a top 100 Australian winery by James Halliday. That's a massive accolade. Um, look, it, it is. Um, we're, we're small fry in the wine industry, I suppose. Um, we we started out in 1991. Um, we're now mm. 32 years into into the wine industry. Um, mm. We're just lucky. Look, my my brother Reese um, from a very early age 
just wanted to be a winemaker. He, he yes. didn't come from a profession, another profession. He didn't come from finance. He didn't come from law. He didn't come from medicine. He didn't come from anywhere. He came from a farm, which yes. we grew up on, and he wanted to be a winemaker. So he's a specific-built winemaker, I suppose. And and we he he knows his stuff. So we yes we his real forte was um, you know sort of a bit more history. We had Chardonnay only, so we grew Chardonnay for a few well-known wineries around the valley. You know Rothbury, Calais, mm-hmm. you know here and uh-huh. there. Um, Tyrrells were the last purchases before we sold the property in '95, and then right. we moved into Pacolban. So we moved probably you know. You know, half an hour, 40 minutes east, I suppose, and mm-hmm. um, moved into the Pacolman area and Reese sort of um, formed a lot of really strong relationships and we got access to some of the, the best vineyard sites um, in the right. valley that weren't owned by Tyrrells, Mount Pleasant, Brokenwood or something mm-hmm. like that. All, all the big boys, um, yep. Yeah, all the big boys. But we, remember, mm. we were in early. We we were we were doing this in the in the mid nineties to to mm. late nineties before the next wave of winemakers came along. You know, nice. and you can add in, um, you know, uh, Andrew Thomas, Andrew Margan, uh, you know, David Hook. You can add in Mike mm-hmm. Deulis. You know, all of these top young winemakers. We sort of were in early and we had access to the likes of Talawanta and Ivanhoe and, um, you know, uh, in the end, Braymore, uh, yes. ho- the Homestead Vineyard owned by the Kindreds as well as Loch Levin. So, yeah, so we got in early, got really great fruit and Reese just didn't stuff it up. Wow, what well, he certainly didn't. So your so your cellar door is actually uh, settled within a, a bit of a precinct, isn't it? Uh, from what I remember, um, yes, next to a, a, a beautiful Japanese restaurants, etc. Yeah, Tell us what the cellar door experience is for somebody who um, who hasn't been before. Look, we we um, started off at the boutique wine centre, which was down yes. near Blacksland's restaurant. Uh, that was ah, in partnership yes. with, with Robin Ted or Mar- Robin Ted, Lord Robin Ted, a master of wine, uh, mm. an exceptional gentleman, and he always made Reese. Uh, always made his wines, so we um, we formed a partnership and we were there until 2013, and then the opportunity came along to come up to Roche Estate, and we've been here now just coming up to to 10 years. So, you know, the cellar door experience is it's a it's a People can come, park in a spacious car park. They can go to Smelly Cheese Shop. They can go to Oishi, which I rate as one of the top restaurants in in Pacolban. Um, Just brilliant, brilliant um, Asian food. Um, You know, Mm. there's also um, the Tempest 2, who who are great people and they fill a market. And then we've got a Mm. lovely young couple next to us, uh, M and J Becker, Megan and... James, who are making some sensational wines, and us, so people can come, do three wineries, have lunch, hop in their car, and you know they've they've nearly filled in a day. It's a, it's a really smarter approach, isn't it? And kind of takes takes the edge off of the pressure off for you guys, and everyone everyone has something that they can do: eat, drink, and 
and basically just move around and just be in the one area. So of course you're quite close also to the Hunter Valley Gardens, which is an attraction, and and it's uh, it's it's just, it's a wonderful little area. I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be in that neck of the woods mid June for a Peterson's lunch, Peterson's okay. and Savannah Estate lunch at Benian. So um, I'll uh, I'll definitely pop in and, and say what hello to you on a. On Saturday, the other, the seventeenth. Um, so let's talk about some of your wines now. The reason why, of course, I really wanted to get you on the show is because I was so impressed with your Rhone varietals, which actually happen to be some of my favourite wines in the world. Um, very much the uh, Marsan, Rosan. I don't think you do a Viognier, do you? Have you ever done a Viognier? Uh, look, we have. Reese um, Reese went to uh, France in nineteen ninety eight and actually did a a vintage with Chaputia. Uh, yes, in the room, right. With um, Derek Hooper and Corey Ryan, I do believe. And he, they were, from what Reese said, they were the first interns from outside of France that Chaputia had brought in. So he, he, saw, he that's where he learned his trade, as when it right. comes to Rhone Vrital. So he promptly came back to the Hunter, convinced one of our growers up around the Denman area to plant Viognia. So in yes. yeah, so in the early years we did have Viognier. We didn't have access to Marsan or Roussan, uh, and we started. Well, I think we had the Hunter Valley's first Shiraz Viognier back in '99. Quickly upon wow. its return, and we've sort of been mucking around with Shiraz Viognier then through to the mid um, mid 2000s, late 2000s, and then all of a sudden, unfortunately, a lot of Australian winemakers, they thought that 3% was good, so 8 or 10% was better, and mm. that certainly wasn't the case, and it, and, and it didn't kill the category, and, and obviously um, uh, Clonic Killer are still doing a fantastic job down around Canberra, as are uh, a few mm. others, but we, we backed out of Shiraz Viognia, and we looked for other options, and then we got the chance to get our hands on some Marsan, uh, and some Roussan, and we then start, have actually started adding a little bit of Marsan um, in co-ferment into Shiraz now. Interesting, a Shiraz yes. Marsan. Oh, look, it, it makes total sense. If Shiraz works beautifully with uh, Viognier, then there's really no reason why it wouldn't. Um, can you talk us through that? Because that's a that's a that's a new blend. Um, it's not. It's not really. It's it's it has been done certainly before, but. We find Hunter Valley being a warm climate, not so much hot. Um, mm. The Viognier can get pretty ripe and very apricotty. Yes. Too much of that in Shiraz, I think, doesn't work. Yeah. So what Reese was looking for was something a little bit more subdued, uh, a little bit more elegant, and that's Marsan. So Marsan mm -hmm. has more quince, you know, um, spicy characters, uh, more than that marmalade apricot fruit and it's mm. it's certainly um being shanda shiraz being medium body that certainly works a lot better right right um okay well that that actually does make total sense i look forward so which what shiraz are you adding that bit of masan to um what shiraz um we we have a, a, a not a funny system i think it's done many places but our best parcel of shiraz we get in every year does go to the Alexander Munro range or uh -huh. Alexander yes. Munro level. Yep. The next one then comes down to Terracotta, then Hellhole, then we've got the Ants and then XYZ. So we have a 
we have a, a lucky, a luxury system where if one vineyard doesn't perform as well as what we expect one year, we can always, it doesn't mean it's bad, we can always use it at another level. Um, yeah, sure. But the, but the, the Lock Levin vineyard, um, which is owned by the, the Kindred family, they have a 400 acre holding here in the Hunter and they have about 40 acres of vines. Um, we, it's split into two vineyards, uh, one's Lock Levin, one's Homestead. Um, both opposite mm-hmm. sides of the of the property, and um, it it is usually the source. The Loch Levin is usually the source for now for the terracotta, which gets the uh, Marsan. Okay, so that's the terracotta that does. Okay, I'm looking at that range. Yeah. There, you've got so, the, so the, ter- the, the, yeah. the the Loch Levin vineyard was planted in 1973, and we have the had again the luxury that it was planted to um, Semion. Uh, it was Chardonnay, but Chardonnay's since been removed. Marsan, so there's Marsan planted in 73. The Roussan mm-hmm. came along in 2012. It was grafted onto some Semillon. Uh, right. They've also got Cabernet and Shiraz, again, all planted in 1973. So this year, 50 years old, our current release, Terracotta, Syrah, um, it was, the vines were actually 48 years, 48 years old. Right, right. Okay, so you, you do have a few a few lovely ranges. Uh, t- talk to me about the Black Shiraz range. So I can see that you actually still even have like the 2011 available. Um, yeah, it was, it was my idea. So, so Reese is the, um, the winemaking brains and prowess and I, I like to uh, elevate myself to the more the marketing and the the ideas man, to, to quote um, Daryl Kerrigan off, uh, off the castle. But <laughs> we, 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 I was getting sick and tired of people looking at Hunter Valley Shiraz. And at the time, in 2011, the most expensive Hunter Valley Shiraz was the graveyard, and it was roughly about $175 a bottle. And people would then look at anything from South Australia that was more and go, it has to be better because it's more expensive. And as we all know, that's not necessarily always the case. No, um, so we sort of set about not to cause a, a, a division with any other hunter wineries, but we thought, look, let's start putting together a really good wine, charging what we think it is worth and mm. um, putting it out on the market. Well, in 2011, I came up with an aim. And to me, to me, black has got nothing about race, nothing about that. You know, you look at Black Label, Black Edition, Hugo Boss Black Label, you've got Mercedes AMG Black. It's the top of the top. Yeah. So yeah. we put together, I said to Reese, I've got this idea, what can you do? So he went through all the barrels of 2011 Shiraz and came up with three barrels of the best, what he thought was the best that would work in a, in a blend, put it together, and that was um, then in conjunction with our 20th year. So 2011 right. being our 20th vintage, so we've released okay. this, and we've released it at $190 a bottle, which was then the most expensive um, wine in New South uh, Wales. Yes, yep. I can tell you we had sold out of that within, well, sorry, we had, we had, the majority had sold within six to nine months. Um, right. And we was going to be a one-off. So, so we still have a few handful of bottles left that we have in a museum stock but I mean so we made 113 dozen of it and we would have less than five dozen left 
right. So okay. the well, idea was, well, you've done very well, especially at that. Mm, sorry, let's get going. Yeah, that was that was going to be a one-off, and and then came along 2014 vintage. So it was like, oh God, what do we do? <laughs> and I had a chat to Reese, and we had um, 14 in the Hunter was brilliant, but it was also yes. quite a high-yielding vintage. So we actually right. had a bit of, not excess, but we had plenty of wine to play with. And we'd, we'd sourced in from a few... Back then, we'd bought some Shiraz from Black Cluster. We'd bought... We had some Homestead Shiraz. We had a Lock 11 Shiraz. We had some Shiraz from here, there, and everywhere. And, and, and um, we put together another blend, and we... Upped it, we made about a hundred and fifty dozen of that, right? And and that went then to um, two twenty five a dozen. Oh, sorry, two twenty five a bottle. I have so mm. I have four dozen of that left. Right. So it's actually, you know, they, they are quite high price points, aren't they? Um, but it's so it's brilliant that you actually are selling them. I mean, you can get some amazing Hunter Shiraz for obviously a, a, a lot, a lot less. But um, but I love that you can still be able to backdate them. I mean, you still have like an Alexander Monroe for like two thousand and one. Uh, you do only have what it says five left in stock. I'm just on your site right now. It's uh, you've got an inc this incredible range. So I might just quickly mention um the the URL. So it's mariapark.com.au, and that's M for Mary M double E R E A Park com.au so guys you should just um, jump on and check this out can i quickly make a little change over i'm i'm kind of interested in your uh, reserve pinot hmm. um because pinot is not a it's it's not that well known to be made in the hunter um some people do it but it's not one of the you know the flavor varietals at all so what are you doing with your pinot where are you getting the clones from well, again, the first thing I say to people is, look, where are the oldest Pinot vines in Australia? Yeah, yeah, Hunter Valley. Mm. And, and if, we, if you head up to Mount Pleasant, they've got a Pinot vineyard planted in 1921 yeah. by Maurice O'Shea. And so Pinot's not new to the Hunter. I agree 100%. In most vintages, it is a bit, it is a bit too warm for Pinot Hunter. It makes it an ordinary um, light dry red of no character and, and all those sort of things. However, in the in the years that that it suits, we have made we've now made two reserve Pinots. So this is off the the Loch Levin Vineyard, again planted in um, in seventy three. Uh, we we made we we've sort of. I wasn't. We weren't interested in Pinot early. It was normally bought by, and I think you mentioned them earlier, Petersons, the the Champagne House, or Petersons House used to buy a bit of their fruit for for sparkling base, and and we thought it was a bit of a travesty. In good years, there could have been a good, um, you know, dry table wine Pinot made. So we we sort of set our sights to it, and. Um, it, it, it is a very good wine. We elevated it to the reserve level. Usually it slips into our indie range, which is indie mm -hmm. like indie music, indie clothing, not, not mainstream. So, again, Pinot and Shiraz and all that sort of thing. Uh, Pinot Shiraz blends are not mainstream hunter, and neither is Marsan Roussan. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we've gone down the Pinot route, and, and I, I think I'm a bit of a, a Pinot Noir tragic and I always like to tell people it'd be cheaper for me to have a cocaine addiction, which I don't, by the way, um, than it is to like good Pinot. Um, good, good Pinot Noir can be very, very, very expensive. Um, but so I, I appreciate Pinot. Reese, 
you know, Reese loves his burgundies as well, and mm. he's put together a really, really, really good wine. We, having said that, we only made 92 dozen of it. It's not right. like it's a mass-produced thing because there's, sure. there's only ever up to five tonnes of this, you know, 50-year-old, up to 50-year-old vine Pinot that we have access to. Yes, yes. Okay, you're a classic girl. Okay, oh, so well, de definitely I a tragic. Tell it as I do. Yeah. 100%. And look, it, it, would, it really wouldn't be a Hunter Belly interview if I didn't at least speak about Semion with you. And I definitely know your Semions. I am either tragic for an aged Semion. Do you still have the, I think you had a 2012 aged Semion. We, and we, it we, was beautiful. We do. We, do. Yeah. So we, were, we were lucky enough to be bestowed the James Halliday Semillon of the Year two years ago with the 2011 vintage. So it was, it was obviously very, you know, wow. we, were, we were chuffed. We were all those sort of things, very proud and all of that. And, but two years before that, we're in the top three with the 2013 vintage. So yes. the 20, 2012 sits smack bang in the middle, in the middle of those two wines. And, but, but, you know, what Hunter Valley's like. I mean, 2013, 2011 were very, very, very good vintages. The 2012 is a, is a good vintage. It was a little bit cooler and wetter, so the, the, the wine has taken a few years to actually hit its straps, um, you know, to build, build a bit of that flavour. But we, we do have a, yeah, basically an 11-year-old semi-on as, as a current released, aged release, I suppose is the best way to put it. Yeah, totally. Um, look, your wines really are very, very beautiful. And I encourage anyone, again, on a Hunter Valley trip to go and check them out. We've already given you a, a bit of an overview of the experience you would have at the cellar door and the surrounding um, uh, uh, the surrounding cellar doors and what else is there. But the wines are just sensational to taste. So, Garth, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have a chat with you. And um, are you, I, I'm not sure about what your scenario is, but do you have any plans to be celebrating Mother's Day? Um, look, I, I, I will. I will finish here. Hopefully um, I'll get closed at the normal time on a Sunday, which is 4pm, and I'll head back to Newcastle and get to a bit of um, celebrating as such, as such then, but keeping in mind that tomorrow uh, is a school night and I do have to work tomorrow. Yes, of course. Yes, it is a school night. So we'll be kind of well behaved. Look, Garth, thank, thank you. you so much. I'm going to let you get on with your day. Um, I'm envious of anybody who's turning up between now and 4pm to be tasting your wines, but I will be doing it myself in a few weeks time. So take care and I'll be in touch.